0: Welcome to the Heal Thy Skin podcast. If you do a quick Google search of how many skin conditions exist, it's a few thousand, and they can affect people from all walks of life, from the most common to the rarest of the rare. Some are a born skin condition, some develop, and others are acquired instantly following a skin trauma or injury. Some skin conditions have no cure, so living with them is an ongoing learning experience for patients and families. And I'm very excited to announce for the first time in the Heal Thy Skin podcast, we will be opening our space to a very special collaboration series called the A to Z of Skin Conditions. The A to Z of Skin Conditions special series is hosted by Dr. Anika Smith, board certified dermatologist, and it features skin experts from all around the globe to give insights on everything we need to know in skin anatomy and skin conditions from A to Z. These episodes will be dropping periodically, so make sure you tune in to every single episode so you don't miss one.
1: This is episode number four of the A to Z podcast series. The aim of the A to Z series is to provide you bite-sized pieces of dermatology wisdom shared by leaders in their field in order to educate, dispel myths and encourage greater understanding about all things to do with the skin. This podcast presents information of a general nature and the opinions of the presenters. It does not constitute and is not a substitute for formal medical review or advice. Please see your local doctor or dermatologist if you have any concerns about your skin or general health. Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Anika Smith, consultant dermatologist. I'm delighted to welcome dermatologist Dr. Shamila Ganatheesan to the podcast today. Dr. Ganatheesan is a consultant dermatologist in Melbourne, Australia and founding dermatologist of Ode Dermatology. Dr. Shamala is a fellow of the Australasian College of Dermatologists. She practices in all aspects of dermatology and has a dedicated subspecialty interest in hair and nail conditions. She has undertaken research at Harvard University and furthered her expertise with training in London and fellowships in New York. She has received numerous accolades for her research and publications in peer reviewed medical journals and is often quoted in the media. Welcome, Shamala. It's such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the podcast to talk about all things to do with dandruff. Before we get started, can you tell us what you put on your skin this morning?
2: Well, I think I started with a splash of water. So my big thing is not washing your face in the morning with anything too soapy. Um, I've got my vitamin B3, my vitamin C, and I've got my tinted sunscreen and a bit of powder.
1: Brilliant. It sounds all encompassing. Well done. Can you tell us what it is you love most about the skin? Well, I love that the skin
2: is really the the, the window to your well being and your soul. You know, like we we get so used to looking at ourselves every day that we know when something's a bit off. You know, you know when you haven't slept well, um, you know when you're not glowing. But from a more medical perspective, you and I know that the skin, certain skin conditions, can be manifestations of something going wrong internally. I love that bit. Um, to be a good dermatologist, I always tell my patients, you've got to be a good detective. So that's what I love more. I can ask nosy questions about their lifestyle, you know, triggers, things like that, and then kind of putting that holistic plan for them. So the skin's, the skin's just beautiful.
1: <laughs> I love it. Okay, now let's get into dandruff and five, five questions your way. Let's start off first with the basics. Can you tell us in simple terms, what is dandruff?
2: So dandruff is is really just um, those flaky little bits of skin that you see, um, you know, on your shoulders or on the floor, dead skin that's flaking off, um, and essentially that can be due to dryness in your scalp, Um, but really the cause in most of us is due to these little clubbed yeasts that live on our scalp. Um, They're commensal, so they're normal. But sometimes when you've got an overgrowth of them or if you're having um, scalp sensitivity, they give you a reaction. And how it works is that we naturally produce these oils in our scalp and these yeasts break it down. So they break it down in all of us, but some of the metabolites called oleic acid, for example, can irritate someone's scalp. So when you've got that inflammation, your scalp skin does not heal very well and so it just flakes off.
1: Are there any other reasons why it might happen? You mentioned the yeast, the Malassezia yeast are a key part in, in why dandruff or how dandruff comes about. Are there any other factors that might contribute to dandruff in certain individuals?
0: Um,
1: genetics.
2: So all of us kind of react differently to the Malassezia, um, Globrosa, um, that live on our scalp. Um, stress, unfortunately, can change the pH balance in your scalp. Um, in women, hormones do play a part um, and they can change the skin barrier of our scalp. Let's not forget all these products that we're using in our scalp. I would actually tell people to minimize things like sulfates, menthol, eucalyptus, alcohol. They do kind of strip that um, skin barrier of our scalp, causing that irritation, inflammation But as dermatologists, we know that other conditions can be misdiagnosed as simple dandruff. So um, we touch upon psoriasis, eczema, SIBO psoriasis. So these are kind of more inflammatory conditions that can cause flaking of the scalp, uh, which is a bit more than than simple dandruff. Don't get me wrong. Simple dandruff is still very annoying. It can be itchy. It can be quite unsightly. It's not pleasant, but um, we would certainly... Want to try something over the counter first, but if things are not working, um, find your friendly dermatologist for an accurate diagnosis.
1: Completely agree. So, to clarify, the other related, potential related skin conditions include eczema, psoriasis, so as you say, that overlap between seborrheic dermatitis and psoriasis, SIBO psoriasis. Brilliant. You mentioned over the counter approaches. Could you maybe run us through some basic over the counter approaches that someone might commence with to tackle their dandruff in the first instance?
2: I think the go-to would certainly be using um, those numerous over-the-counter anti-dandruff shampoos out there. They all have that key ingredient of um, zinc, um, a zinc derivative that's meant to be antifungal, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory. My tip would be not to go too hard on it. So use it once or twice a week. um, And it's certainly a very good starting point. Um, There are kind of over the... Um, The home remedies that I do like would be, you know, a little dash of um, white vinegar into your shampoo. That's a natural um, disinfectant without overwhelming your skin barrier. Um, Those two kind of work in most cases. If you think you're getting really oily scalp and you want to reduce that scalp oil that the malassezia then feed on, um, you could do a gentle salt scrub, you know, um, a little bit of, coconut oil, um, Himalayan sea salt, um, a little bit of honey and just kind of massage it through your scalp and then just wash it off. And I think the key is to wash it off properly because you don't want the coconut oil staying on either.
1: Brilliant. I love that little remedy. Tell me, are you an advocate for rotational therapy when it comes to antifungal shampoos, cycling through different antifungal shampoos on the basis that, the, that these balazea yeasts may develop resistance over time to a particular uh, product or ingredient?
2: Well, I think, you know, I, I never used to be an advocate of that, but your patients really teach you. You know, so they do record, they, they found that over the years, it's better to cycle. I don't want you, I don't think you need to cycle too quickly. So you would do it, you know, every three months. There's lots of different ones out there from head and shoulders to 2% Nisole shampoo. Um, I, I think it's also technique, like how you really rub it into your scalp. The trick is to leave it in for about, you know, two minutes before you wash off. People with the same product, you do get a bit um, laxedal and you just kind of get blase about it really. So it's more the kind of the technique um, and how long the contact is for than cycling. But cycling is probably making sense every three months.
1: Beyond over-the-counter approaches, if you're not winning, what then do you think would be the next step from a therapeutic perspective?
2: I would think, you know, it's sensible to see your GP um, and if you've got access to your dermatologist, um, that'll be the key thing to do. You know, the the diagnosis earlier on does change things and you and I must find that the earlier you intervene either with some mild topical steroids or something with a vitamin D and a steroid or even just a steroid-based shampoo does seem to reduce that overall inflammation in your scalp. So early intervention is key, I think, with this. And we've got a huge range of therapeutic agents we can use.
1: Completely agree. So to recap, a therapy that targets the yeast, so an anti-yeast, anti-fungal therapy, and then as you say, potentially a topical steroid to target the inflammation that the yeast may be generating, depending on the severity of, of the dandruff, yeah, or the seborrheic dermatitis. When do you think someone should see a specialist in the skin regarding their their scalp, uh, specifically dandruff?
2: Um I think if you're losing a lot of hair with it, that's important. Um, if you're getting symptoms of itch, um it's affecting your quality of life, if you're and and also if you've got the interest, look at those scales, you know, if you're getting, um, inflamed large pieces of scale, you're probably more looking into something like um, psoriasis. So I would say these are kind of um, trigger points to be a bit more proactive about your um, health. Um, scalp pain is another thing that I tell my patients, you know, if you're getting kind of scalp tenderness or what we call scalp dysesthesia, Makes sense to come in a bit earlier because you can have coexisting conditions like male or female pattern thinning or balding where your dermatologist could help you with that at an early stage.
1: Any other general recommendations to optimize one's scalp health?
2: You know, I I think the main thing is probably not, um, it's that perfect balance of not overwashing your scalp Mm -hmm. and underwashing it where you've got tons of sebum and all these other products that are not being removed. So keep your hair routine a bit on the simpler end. You know, if you're using lots of dry shampoo, go slow because that will clog your follicles a bit, you know, and making sure that you're not uh, leaving on um, these uh, um, anti-gray rinses on for too long. They can sometimes irritate the scalp. Um, I would... I like massaging of the scalp. I think circulation is key with the face, with with the hair in terms of hair health. So a good relaxing, you know, massage once a week would generally help your hair health. Um, I'm a big fan of vitamin B3 um, as a serum on the face and I wonder if we should be looking for things like niacinamide in terms of our hair health um, and to reduce that kind of sebum buildup a once-a-week clarifying shampoo would be a good idea, also.
1: Brilliant! I love the addition of a scalp massage for all. I think you're going to have everyone terribly excited about incorporating that into their uh, their skin health routines, if you like.
2: You know, the one thing that you also we were talking about um, things that you can do before you see a specialist is Please. to really work out what lifestyle changes have caused that increased dandruff, you know, are you a bit more stressed and you're not sleeping as well? Um, how's your gut health? I'm a, I'm a big advocate of your, your gut health impacting your skin, hair and nails. So if you've got little things that you can do, like sensible stuff, like reducing your sugar and and gluten and dairy, um, having a bit more probiotics, looking into that diet element does seem to help a lot of my patients.
1: Yeah, and tell me, on that front, are you uh first of all, do you suggest people amp up their, their dietary sources of, of probiotics or, or do you routinely, depending on their skin, scalp, nail issue at play, routinely suggest taking a probiotic as an as an adjunct to their their skin health routine? Or is it a bit of a combination?
2: I think it's a combination. You know, I think you want to get, um, look into those healthy foods. You might have a bit more kombucha. You might have a bit more fermented yogurt. But with the, um, modern medicine and technology, we do have access to so many different strains of lactobacillus. So I'm not sure if I recommend a particular strain, but I'm just like, go for it. Go for the probiotics and, I think um, the latest research on prebiotics seem really exciting. You know, something that you can take as a precursor for your own bacteria to work on. So I see no harm in having a teaspoon of that every day.
1: Thank you. Now, can I ask, do you have any additional suggested resources or go tos for our listeners, particularly those that may suffer from dandruff?
2: Um, I, I always point my patients to dermnet and Z um, you know it really writes well it, it kind of addresses it um, according to the causes what you can do practical points um, lots of I think I've done lots of podcasts in you know, a mama Mia. these are kind of um, media sources that have talked about hair health I find bridey which is an online kind of hair skin health um, online portal, it's quite good for that everyday person looking up um, resources. Um That's pretty good. And, you know, things like route they've all kind of talked about dandruff, Bridie, Enroute, DermedNZ. Um And I would look up um, my website or my Instagram handle. And I think over the years we've done a few different articles and been interviewed. And I feel the media just write it very well in a bite-sized point.
1: Yeah, perfect. We will link to some of those. Uh, so you've already mentioned it. I was going to say where can listeners go to find out more about you and the work you do in the dermatology space? So you've mentioned your website, Instagram channel, and I believe you have a a, a new venture, a new practice, Ode Dermatology. Tell me more about that.
2: Well, yes. Um hopefully if everything goes well in about 2 months we're going to be launching Ode Dermatology. And really once again, um that question what what you said about um, why do I love the skin? It's because it's it's just our largest organ and I've called it ode because it's like an ode to yourself. It's an ode to your skin, like a love poem to your hair, skin, and nails. Um, but essentially it'll be very medical dermatology, but you know, having that whole spectrum of aesthetic dermatology, hair health, cutting-edge technology all weaved into one. And so the idea is that, you know, the consumer, our patients would have that. Full level of um, control by a dermatologist who knows their skin, hair, and health uh, and nails intimately.
1: Brilliant. It sounds very exciting. All the best with it. Now, to Thank close, you. we have some rapid fire questions. What are your top key takeaways from today's podcast that you'd like our listeners to walk away with?
2: Um, I think the main thing would be to look out for change. You know, if you've never had any issues with your hair before and you're having dandruff, you're having a bit of hair fall, your scalp texture feels different, your hair is brittle, listen to it. I think our body's very good at giving us cues. So it's being aware of our um,
1: changes and seeking the right help early. What's one thing in your opinion all women and men for that fact who may be listening should do for their skin health? Sleep,
2: eat well and Um, The more I read about it, you know, like intense exercise, like even if you do those kind of interval trainings, like one minute where you're VMAX or you're out of puff and then you relax and then you go and do that, even 10 to 15 minutes literally changes the way your genes express and you turn on your anti-aging genes, your longevity genes. So, you know, it sounds awful, but my grandma's advice still kind of holds true, like sleep well, eat in moderation and exercise um, and look after your skin. I mean, we've got very good access to cosmeceuticals. Use it early and use it judiciously, and hopefully that, um, you know, stalls this ageing or, you know, biohack your lifestyle, I guess.
1: I love it. Out of curiosity, how much high-intensity exercise should we be doing a week for our our skin health but also anti-ageing benefits? Is there a, is there a perfect uh, number? In terms of minutes? Yes,
2: I think from what I've been I've been reading a few different um, books, and this guy called Lazarus. It's called the Lazarus strategy. So this dude, is a medical doctor, done lots of research, lived till eighty. Actually, he might be still alive. He's eighty-four. He he still does um, high interval biking, wow. and he reckons literally you need about just ten to fifteen minutes, about three to four times a week.
1: Amazing. That sounds pretty achievable, doesn't it? We just need to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of gives us a like. I used to go,
2: oh, I've got to do an hour of something, and now I just go, oh my god, I just need to do ten minutes.
1: Yeah, just point out
2: how lazy you can get, though.
1: (laughs) I imagine being in Melbourne, everything you'd be used to doing it at home, right? From uh, from the the luxury of your own home, you via the you know via the laptop. Yes, you're used to being self sufficient with these things. The the, the home workout, yes, because you had a year, (laughs) almost a year of lockdown. Yeah, well, it feels like a year. Yes. Um, Excellent. Now tell us, what will you put on your skin tonight?
2: So I will probably start with a micellar um, cleanse Uh and then I'd use a lipid-rich cleanser and then I'll put my kind of um, alpha hydroxy acids to help with the skin renewal Uh and then my favourite retinol. Which, if I have to recommend a brand, would be the the Rationales Number Six Creme. Um, It's I've used it for, you know, fifteen years or twelve years at least, and it's brilliant. It's just light. It always works, and it doesn't kind of inflame the skin, Mm -hmm. which is kind of the ethos I think we're all kind of moving towards where. Our skin naturally knows how to behave. You know, you want to just optimize it. You don't want to overwhelm it. Mm. Same thing with our scalp, actually. We should have mentioned that, that you want to maintain the pH of the scalp. We, we don't want to be overloading it with stripping agents. Uh, our body's really good at renewing itself and we should be just using products that are hair identical or skin identical um, to augment the process as opposed to, how do I say, um, completely reframe it.
1: I like it. I can vouch for 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 your the, the efficacy of your product at night. Your skin is glowing from where I'm sitting. And finally, your favorite quote or, or motto that you live by, if there's anything that comes to mind. Um,
2: life is for the curious mind. I like that. Um, I think the minute you stop being curious, like you stop being interested, you know, I think as clinicians – Part of the joy is, yes, you can diagnose a condition, but it comes as a, with a person and a story, and that's the most fabulous bit. You know, I always, I get pretty cross when my six-year-old goes, "Mom, I'm bored." I'm like, "No way, you cannot be bored." <laughs> you know,
1: so I think it is
2: for that curious journey.
1: Mm. I completely agree. I love it. I think when the curiosity has gone, it's it's all over. Um, so stay curious. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom. Um, you have a a wonderful way of conveying things in a in a beautifully simple, succinct yet powerful manner. So thank you. I just want to say, is there anything else? Me. You're very it's welcome. Such a nice time, just chatting and bantering. It's just easy. <laughs> Can I ask, is there anything else that you want to mention before we before we wrap up?
2: No, and I just want to say thank you for doing this. You know, these are kind of things that people Google and never get a proper um, perspective on it. So it's really nice to have an authority podcast that's so achievable and understandable for the everyday person.
1: Well done. No, thank you. So I look forward to watching your continued growth in the space. Thank you so much for your time, but more importantly, good luck with Ode Dermatology. It sounds like such an exciting adventure and it sounds like the place to to go in in Melbourne. Can you tell us where it's going to be as an aside? Which part of Melbourne are you setting up in?
2: So it's going to be on Gertrude Street, which um, is a lovely street, lots of character, very near the city, but that kind of inner north vibe. Um, and yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. You know, I always say, Anika, like this is kind of the place that I want to grow old, you know, for myself, you know, so you can kind of just literally anti-age your whole body, but you know, maybe get a, get a muscle, um, development, lose a bit of unwanted fat pockets, get rid of cellulite, but making sure that you've got no skin cancer and your hair is healthy and your nails kind of grow the right way. So kind of to have that whole picture Mm-hmm. um and you know that you can just go in and just go oh, just just sort me out
1: it sounds like a one-stop to... shop we need the incorporation of the scalp massage and the high intensity yes. option on the side as well and then you've covered all realms i love it <laughs> well you have to come and visit honestly i definitely will Melbourne. i definitely will yes that's a that's a must uh, thank you